Well, good morning, everybody. It's the weekend. Thank goodness it's the weekend. We made it. Yeah, you're listening to the RepcoLite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And I'm in the studio with Dan Altina. Hi, Dan. Hello, Dan. And Allie Bride. Hello, Allie. Hey, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well now. We've got some different voices in the studio today with me because Haley is obviously not here. She's not doing well. She's not. Well, she's fine. Uh, you know, let's not paint the picture oh, she's far. <laughs> We're yeah. not digging a hole yet? <laughs> no, 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 no. No shallow she's... graves or anything like that. Oh, she's doing just fine. But th- her family is recovering from an illness. Quite honestly... Um, we've had two weeks off, I believe, doing Dan the show. Dan started it. We don't technically. <laughs> Ellie is a new voice. She's been on the show once or twice. Ellie just started working at Repcolite just over a month ago. Yep. And she'd been here about three weeks. We were starting to, you know, get momentum and start to feel like we're clicking as a team. You know, new learning new people. Ellie has to figure out how I like things done. And then learn to comply. <laughs> and it's I, tough. It's I, I hard know. to navigate. I'm very bossy. I get <laughs> it. Yes, you are. Anyway, we're all starting to, to work along just fine. And I noticed I have a little scratchy throat. And two days later, I am out complete. I am sicker than I've ever been. I let Allie know I'm not going to be in. I don't know when I'm coming back. Turned out it was COVID. You were sick with COVID. And I tested it, after you told me, and yep. sure enough, she's you got spread it. your germs to me. I, Thanks, Or Dan. you spread yours to me. <laughs> I don't think so. We don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know how we figure Still out playing the blame game. Who patient zero is, or whatever that, that phrase is. But it turns out Haley's sick, too. So we were just out of it. And then we kind of came back to work last week, but our brains, my brain was just utterly ridiculous. I would Haley, slow going. Haley was here, and we would be talking, trying to catch up. And I, we'd just stop in the middle, and I'd say, what, what were we were, talking what about? What are we talking about? She said, I have no idea. I lost it about 20 <laughs> seconds ago. I don't. Anyway, we knew we couldn't do a new show. And then, on top of it all, everybody's feeling better. Clearly, I feel better. Allie, you feel better. Yep. We're all back to good. And then Haley, of course, has a baby in daycare. And you know what? Daycares can be like. Yeah, it's like an incubator of <laughs> germs. germs. <laughs> and so now they're sick again with something oh, else. so bad so for awful. her. Yeah, I feel terrible. You feel like you're never going to feel good again. No, it's right. miserable. And then you think about people who really are struggling with stuff, and you realize how petty I am as a person. So true. Right. But that doesn't really change anything in how I do things. I still... You're still a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to be a jerk. Anyway, on the show today, we've got a lot of great stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to be talking, uh, well, this is not going to sound great, but it is great. We're going to be talking at the end of the show. This part's great. We've got five questions you need to ask if you're tackling any home renovation, home decorating project, something small, something big, five questions to ask. We're also going to be talking, this is the part that doesn't sound as exciting, but we're going to talk about how you determine if the paint on a surface in your home is oil-based or water-based. We've got all of that. Perfect. And then right now, we're, we're out of time because the next section is going to take us so much time. So we got all the intros out of the way. We explained where everybody is and why we've got new people in the studio. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to start with that oil-based topic. All right. Just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. And I am in the studio with Dan Altina and Allie Bride, both Repco Light employees. Allie, 
you're a brand new employee. You've been here just over a month now, I believe. Yep. And Dan, you're the opposite of a brand new employee. <laughs> yeah, I'm a very old employee. <laughs> yeah, you're the grandson of the guy who started the whole thing with yeah. the other guys, right? So this has been your life, yeah, really. Yeah, since about 1978. Yeah. That you've worked here, but it's been... It's, it had to be hanging over your head your entire <laughs> life, right? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Yeah, There was no other future for Dan except nope, this. This is it. It was just what it is. I'm living the dream. Anyway, we're all here and we're just working our way through a bunch of different topics. Right now, what we want to talk about is something that, Allie, you posted. You're doing our social media. Yep. Starting to work on that. And one of the things you posted a few weeks ago, you asked a question, just what do people want to see on the page a little more? And we got a lot of great answers. One of them was somebody asked a very specific question about, can I paint latex over oil or or is it oil over latex? I can never remember. How do I know what kind of paint I've got? And I thought, that's really good. Let's talk about that because it is something that we get asked a fair amount in the store. You know, We've got people who've got an older home or maybe furniture that they they have or they snagged at a thrift store or something, or maybe trim, whatever. They're going to repaint these things, and they're concerned that that previous coating down there is oil-based. You know, They know that there's an issue, and I, but we're not always sure not beyond sure exactly that. beyond that. <laughs> so they're always, they, they come in and they want to know, what is this? How do I tell if it's oil-based or not? And if it is oil-based, what do I do? Do I have to keep using oil-based paint? That's always mm-hmm. the big fear. So, since these questions come up all the time, since it was brought up on the social media page, let's talk about them here. And let's start with, really, the beginning is determining what kind of paint is on the surface. You know, you've got this shiny trim, let's say. Let's just use that as the example. So, we're all talking about the same thing. Got a new house that I moved into. It's an older home. The trim is super shiny. You know, is that oil-based paint? What do I do? How do I test it? Well, the thing is, there's a really super simple test. Easy. Everybody's got all the ingredients, all the tools that you need. Hopefully. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't say everybody's got them. All you need is ammonia and a rag. If you love cleaning, you probably have ammonia. Everybody loves cleaning, don't they, Dan? (laughs) It's one of my favorite things in the whole wide world. And so I've got like a backlog. I've got a backstock. Just go to Dan's house. Get your ammonia. Yeah, Yeah, one time I went to the little hardware store to buy uh, cleaning supplies, and I bought ammonia, and I put bleach on the counter. And the lady at the counter said, son... You can't mix these things. You know that, right? So, yeah, I know that. <laughs> of course I, of course I know <laughs> Went that. Went home and Googled that. <laughs> Why? Why not? <laughs> My plan was to mix all of these. Science no, experiment. Never mix those things. But anyway, let's get back to the topic. Ammonia. You need ammonia and a rag. And ideally, you get a rag of a different color from the paint that you're testing. Right. Once you've got that, really, all you got to do is wipe the wall or wipe the surface. Scrub a little spot. Yeah, with a with an ammonia-dampened rag, yep. and you're looking for the paint to soften a little bit. Yeah, and come off onto the rag. You'll see the color of the wall or trim or whatever you're checking come off onto the rag. And if it does that, it's it means you've latex. got a latex paint, and now you know moving forward. If it doesn't do anything... It's all, almost always oil-based then. Right. Now, online, if you look into this and dig around and, and try to figure out how do I test what I've got, you're going to find the ammonia recommendation, but you're also going to find in a lot of situations people recommending that you use denatured alcohol, rubbing alcohol. Some of those things will kind of work, but there is a little bit of a limitation with that. Right. It, they Newer latex paints 
um, generally don't aren't as susceptible to that as older ones. So if it's an old latex paint, you, you get it off with alcohol. If it's a newer one, maybe not. Right. And then you could falsely determine that you've got oil-based paint when, in fact, you just have a newer resin in that latex that's on there. I wish there, I so. would have known this. Yeah. Like... 10 years ago. It would have been such helpful information. (laughs) It is such helpful information, and it's so simple. Such a simple test. So ammonia is the way to go. Put that on a rag. Wipe the surface. If the surface softens a little bit, if the color comes off onto the rag, it's water-based paint. Yep. If it doesn't do anything using ammonia, it's oil-based paint. So, all right. Let's say that we do that test, and we find out that the trim that I'm looking at painting is probably oil-based paint. Now what do I do? That's the next part of the question. Can I paint latex over that oil, or do I have to stick with oil? Well, the short answer is you can paint the latex over the oil. As long as it's prepared properly. And we're going to walk through all of that. Now, what I'm specifically talking about are interior paints in this particular, you know, everything I'm going to spell out is largely built around interior paints, because exterior stuff, if I've got oil on the exterior, it's not going to be a shiny situation. Right. And the shininess of oil-based paint is part of the reason that we have adhesion trouble. And that's the reason we talk about this. You know, can we put this over that? It's because will it stick, right? So when the paint is dull, generally you don't have a problem with it sticking. Right. Which is, honestly, we should have brought that up. That's very, very good, Dan. Thank this you. is not your first rodeo. You've <laughs> no. done this before. No, because uh, it's people tend to think it's oil and water. Oil and water don't mix, and that's why I can't use the latex over the oil. And that's not necessarily really what's going on, because we do have oil-based primers that we can put a latex paint over. And the reason that you can do that is because the oil-based primer is flat. Yeah, it's the smoothness of the surface and the hardness of oil-based paint in particular that makes it hard to stick to. Yeah, so on on the siding of a house exterior, it's probably going to be flat. There's different prep steps. still want to talk about all of that. Come into the store if that's the situation you're talking about. We'll, We'll walk you through that. What I'm talking about right now is interior trim. Let's doors say it's shiny. Yeah, cabinets. doors, cabinets, furniture, whatever. It's shiny. You can still put latex over that, but you do need to take a number of prep steps to make sure that you get great results. And before we get into that part, we've got to address the elephant in the room, the whole lead-based oh. paint thing. Uh, lead-based paints were used in homes Technically, up until 1978. Yeah, that's when lead-based paint was banned. Banned. And why did we use lead-based, you know, lead in the paint in the first place? So for a long time, the early part of the 20th century, a white lead is was the most highest hiding, brightest white pigment that we had. And so it was used commonly as a hiding pigment, as a white pigment. And then in World War II... Uh, titanium dioxide took over as the predominant white pigment that's in paint, plastics, all kinds of things. And um, that's when lead stopped being used. Right. They didn't stop using it necessarily because there were concerns about health or anything. No, it was uh, economics and quality. And Then know. we discovered that there were health concerns. Right. And so by 1978, it's regulated pretty much out of existence. That's right. But if you have a home or a surface that was painted pre-1978, and the older back, the farther back you go, the more likely you're going to run into that. Absolutely. But if that's the situation, if it's pre-1978, you do need to understand that there's there's a possibility that there could be lead-based paint there. 
And if you're concerned that lead is present, you don't want to go and sand that. You don't want to go and do all of that. You do need to figure out the right way to move forward. There are EPA recommendations regarding how to deal with it. We'll put those in the show notes. There are lead lead paint test kits that you can get. Right, to determine if it is lead-based paint. Right. So I'll put that information in the show notes. If you're concerned about lead-based paint, figure it out before you move ahead with any of this. But let's just say, I know it's regular oil-based paint. What do I do? It's a shiny surface. Again, we're talking trim just to keep this simple. Shiny paint on the trim. It's an oil-based paint. How do I get latex on top of that? First thing is to wash it really well with a good degreaser. Got to get it clean. Right. So we'd recommend Crud Cutter, Challenger, what about TSP? How do you feel about TSP? Jim? Yeah, TSP would work fine too. Yeah, anything that'll get rid of uh, wax, oil, grease—you know, furniture polish. Those Murphy's oil soap leaves a residue. We got to got to get all of that off before you do any scuff sanding. Right. So first thing, wash everything down. Then you're going to scuff sand that surface with a 180 to 220 grit sandpaper. If you would skip the cleaning step and go right to sanding, it's possible that you'd be grinding those things into the surface, making it worse. Yeah. Don't want to make it worse. Nope. Let's, let's, that's the opposite of what we're trying to do on the show. So start with a good cleaning, then do that scuff sanding, 180 to 220 grit paper. Wipe that surface with a damp cloth. I know it feels like uh, you're, you're really overdoing the cleaning here, but you've got to get that sanding dust off. And like Dan said, you don't want to sand first and grind anything in. So you've got to work it through these steps. Yep. Wash it, sand it, wipe it clean with just a damp rag. Sometimes people will recommend using a tack cloth. Which contains wax, and now you're putting, the potential is that you could be putting wax back onto the surface. Right. Now, tack cloth is just a sticky, almost like Beeswax. a cheesecloth kind of a yeah, material. Yeah, open weave fabric. And yeah, people would use that to get all the dust off because it grabs it, it collects it, but it can leave a residue. Don't use a tack cloth when you're going over top of this with latex paints. Right. So just wipe it with a damp rag. Once you've got that done, you need to prime it. And there are tons of options here that you can use, but what we'd recommend is that you're really focusing on a primer that's going to promote adhesion. That's what you're looking for, a bonding primer. Inselex makes sticks. Yep. Uh, STIX, it's actually a Benjamin Moore product, and it has superior adhesion. I mean, this really is some good. of the the best I've ever seen. We've painted things like shiny ceramic tile alley, and brought that to different shows, where you know, different home expos or something like that. And we've done no prep. We'd never recommend that, but we did right. that for this example. We yep. painted half of that tile, the shiny ceramic tile, with sticks, no prep, and then we try to get people to scratch it off. And they can't scratch it That's off. That's crazy. It Even bonds, like a piece of glass, you know, you can't it, hardly get it off. It bonds so well. It's great for high traffic areas like kitchen cabinets, trim, anything where you really want to do the very best job that you can to get the best adhesion and the best results possible down the road. Inselex makes sticks. That's the product to use, or that's a product to use. It's soap and water cleanup. Yep. Really nice that way. It is a little pricier, though. Repcolite also makes a product called Quicksand, which is not... A multi-purpose primer. It was not made to be a bonding primer. It not, was made to just particularly, yeah. cover a bunch it's of really good. surfaces, but it turns out, yeah, it, it it's bonds really well. Yeah, it was kind of a surprise to all of us. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got this great option, and it's a great price point. That's Repcolite's Quicksand Soap and Water Cleanup. Check out those things. And then when you got all of that done, you've got the priming done, now you move to your top coat. There are a ton of options out there. One interesting one to talk about is Advance from Benjamin Moore. Right. Advance is a modified Alkid, which means it's kind of got a foot in both of these worlds. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know Alkid is oil base. 
You know, so alkyd is the same. That means the same thing as oil base. And advance is essentially it's a water cleanup alkyd paint. It's a water cleanup oil based paint. So you get all the benefits of the oil base, which means it's going to dry a little bit slower. It self levels beautifully. It flows out and very nicely. Very nice. Very easy to get great results with uh, Benjamin Moore's Advance, but you still end up with the easy cleanup and lower odor. Yeah. There are many other options when it comes to the top coat. Just stop out at any Repcolite or give us a call. We'll make recommendations based on your situation. Now, all right. Last thing. You know, let's just bring this up really quickly. Uh, with people switching to latex, why in the world would anybody still want to use an oil-based paint? And we kind of talked about it a little bit when we talked about advance. There are a lot of benefits to using oil-based paints. Yeah. They stay wet longer, which sounds like a negative, but actually the longer something stays wet, the more chance it's got to self-level, all the brush strokes, roller marks, all of that kind of fades out, and you get almost almost sprayed-like finishes yeah. out of oil-based products. That's why that's one of the reasons they were so popular, right. and people do like using them. They they've also got great block resistance, which is when you set something on a shelf. Let's say the shelf's painted with a latex paint. Uh, sometimes you put something heavy on that shelf; it'll stick to it. That mm. we call that blocking, and oil-based paints resist that very well. Right. They're also less susceptible to cleaning products. You know, we talked about that ammonia test at the very beginning to figure out if it's latex or oil-based paint. Ammonia affects latex paint. If you've got ammonia-aided, is that how you say that? How do you say that? Ammonia-aided? Uh, no. Cleaners say, with ammonia in them? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you've got cleaners with ammonia in them, they will actually soften yeah. and remove, in some instances, latex paint. So, wash your walls with all that ammonia and you're not just getting them clean, you're actually taking paint off. That's right. Oil-based paint won't be affected by right. cleaners like that. However, with all that said, now I've got everybody pumped. I'm going to oil-based. Well, <laughs> now I'm going to throw another curve at you. Michigan just came out with new VOC regulations uh, in April of this year, and basically... Pretty much most manufacturers can't even sell oil-based paints in Michigan anymore. Yeah, there's a lot of restrictions now on the emissions that can come out of paint. And so, um, yeah, uh, a lot of things that we're used to seeing in paint stores we can't can't get anymore in Michigan. But With to do exception. another curve, <laughs> there's an exception for Repcolite. Yeah, small paint manufacturers in the state have been given basically a five-year grace period in this regulation to comply with this regulation, which means that for the next four years or so, we can continue to sell these products that you can't really get anywhere else. So if you have oil-based paints that you've loved to use in the past and you can't get them anymore, we can yep. probably get you something very comparable. Oh, yeah. And we can do that for the next few years yet. Yep. So be aware of that. I think that covers everything. If you need more info, we'll put all of these steps, the prep steps, in the show notes so that you can do it right. I've got the lead paint stuff in the show notes. Check all of that out at repcolite.com. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about five questions you need to ask yourself before you start a home decorating project. That's all next. Stay tuned. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. Kind of a strange week. I'm in the studio with Dan Altina and Allie Bride, both Repco Light employees. But Haley's not here. We talked about that at the beginning of the show. Like, the plague has settled upon Haley's so horrible. Bad. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm not going to go into any more. Haley, the whole family is sick. They're recovering. They're getting better. 
that's the positive. Haley will be back eventually. I'm assuming. <laughs> Hopefully. I'm assuming next week. But you guys filled in. I'm really happy for that. Let's talk about some questions that that, that everybody should ask when you're tackling a home decorating project. You know, making a space over in our homes can be fun. I think we all get mm-hmm. kind of excited about that idea. But I know, you know, the reality of it, it's also daunting. You know, once we get into thinking about the details of the project, that's where it begins to be a little daunting, especially as we start pricing it for me. When I start looking at the economics of it. Yeah, right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now all of a sudden everything has more weight because I don't want to just make a wrong choice. It's not just not a rash decision yeah, you're going to regret. Right. The, right. The, the little drawing that I made isn't quite right. I'll just rip that top page off. I've got a hundred pages here. I'll go to the next one. No <laughs> expense, no no nothing wasted. No, in a room you get the wrong color on the walls. By I've the done wrong that. couch. Yeah. Well, yeah, all of that's expense. It's time. You want to get it right. And we want to help you do that. So let's talk about some specifics that will help you get your room makeover right the first time. And really, to, to begin with this, we've got some questions that you, we want you to ask yourself because we think that will really help. But before we get into those, let's just talk about what good interior design is and what it isn't. And first thing, what it isn't. Good interior design isn't just coming up with great color schemes and good furniture and accessories. You know, it's not just coming up with an aesthetically pleasing space. Mm -hmm. It's actually got to be functional as well. Yeah, I think that's important that your home functions well for your family, depending on where you are and what season of life you're in. Right. So all of those play into what good interior design is. Mm -hmm. So to help you get those good results, to achieve good interior design, here are some questions that you can ask. And I, I guess maybe they're in some kind of order. They're certainly not the only questions you can ask. Right. I would love to be able to say that I have come up with the only questions that need to be asked. <laughs> right. Dan Hansen. I would be sitting on a pile of cash <laughs> if I could do stuff like that. These are just good questions to ask. Some of them maybe seem really obvious. Some of them maybe seem very complicated. The first one, when you're starting a project, looking at a space, I think the very first question that you need to ask is, how do I want the space to make me feel? Mm-hmm. And that is super crazy touchy-feely. You it's know. very personal to each person. Right. and But I think it's really important. You need to get a feel for what kind of atmosphere you want to create in this situation, you know, and in, in this space. Maybe you're doing the whole home. Maybe you're doing just a room, you know. Ellie, I know you've got a mudroom project that you're yeah. going to be tackling. I've got um, one of my kids is redoing a bedroom and going to be taking over a new space in the house. And we've had this conversation. What kind of atmosphere do you want to create? You know, are you looking for something that's going to make you feel comfortable and relaxed? You know, that maybe like the entryway. Maybe mm-hmm. I want to walk in and feel a, you know, like I'm breathing a sigh of relief because I'm finally home. Which, yeah. Dan, I've never had. <laughs> I leave work right. and it's always the, oh, I got to go home. Right. No, that's not true. That's just me sucking up. But yeah, maybe you want to walk home and just feel like, oh, great, I'm finally here. Well, that's the atmosphere you're trying to create in that space. Mm-hmm. Or the bedroom for my daughter. She wants a space that she can just chill. That's her word. I want a space where I'm tired, where I'm where I can feel tired. I'm gonna go to sleep. That's work for me, Dan. (laughs) I I get here and oh, so tired. Sleep a little bit. Yeah. So you might want that. Maybe you want to feel happy, cozy, and like Ali said, all of those things are very personal. But you've got to ask yourself, what kind of atmosphere am I trying to create in this space? It sounds kind of goofy, maybe, but it's going to really direct you and help you clarify some of the further things and the decisions that you've got to make. Yeah. So second question, 
what purpose do I want or need this space to serve I for me? I think that's like the most important question. So for you, if this I had is to the pick most one. important. Yes. All right. So yeah, as we mentioned in the beginning, interior design isn't just colors and atmosphere. There's this, this functional component as mm-hmm. well. And so you've got to ask yourself, what do you need this room to do for you and your family? Yeah. You know, is it all about gathering together? Do you need a big space to do that so people can talk and visit? Is it about, you know, just finding that place of personal rest and relaxation, a place of silence, you know, some place to curl up with a book? If that's what I need out of that space, that's going to affect lighting choices, color choices, right. the furniture choices. It kind of choices. sets the tone sure. for everything. Right. So think about that. Is it about storage? For me, that's always one of my right. major needs. Every room is about storage. <laughs> yeah. In our house. yeah, right. It is. That's a major thing that needs to play out. And I need to keep that front and center because storage doesn't often, or at least it certainly doesn't always, lend itself towards aesthetically pleasing design. Right. right. So if I really overfocus on the aesthetically pleasing and forget or let the, the storage part of this just slide. That's what I generally do. I always know that I need storage, mm-hmm. but I always tend to let the aesthetically pleasing part of the, the design trump the other part. I always figure I'll get enough storage. I got to remember this is what I need here. Yeah. And that means I'm going to have to make some changes and maybe some compromises to how everything plays out because yeah. both of these have to work together. Now, when you're making that list or you're thinking those things through, it might help to have a a certain number of must-haves and maybe some wish list items. You know, these things I could do without, but I'd love to have them. Mm -hmm. But these things... Gotta have them. Gotta have them. And that's going to affect everything. So ask yourself, what purpose do I need or want this space to serve? That's the second question. How about a third question? What's working for me in the space as it is and what isn't? Right. This is the um, budget friendly, Dan, the The budget budget focused. Yeah. Budget conscious. Dan is always thinking about, Okay, what I don't want to completely wholesale start from scratch. I would like to, honestly, but I know that it's probably not. Dan's got limited funds (laughs) and he can do what he can do. So I've got to look at what's working for me. And, you know, this could be furniture that's working for you that maybe could be painted Or maybe it's painted furniture that could be stripped and returned to a natural wood look or Mm -hmm. whatever. There's so many things you can do. So like Allie, you're working on a mudroom. Yep. You just moved into a new house. Yep. And right when you started the job here, like <laughs> it was all in the same crazy. week. Yeah, it wasn't. It was supposed to be like that, but it's okay. Yeah, it's working out. <laughs> it all worked out. So she's got a new house, a blank slate. You've got a mudroom mm-hmm. that actually looks really nice, but it's not quite working for you. What parts of it are? It has lots keep? of storage. It has a locker system and a closet, which we came from a house that was built in the 40s where we didn't really have closets. So to have a closet in the mudroom is amazing on its own. Um, but it's it's beige and white, and it just my personality doesn't show through. I want a little something more when I walk into my entryway. You want so to be proud of it. Yeah. You walk want in, but have you a little do pizzazz. Be inspired a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But you do have things in there that are working for you that you're going to work sure. with and yep. build off of. Mm-hmm. So find out those things in your project. What are they? What things are playing into all of the things that you want to create with the atmosphere, with the needs that you have yeah. from that space? What's working for you? What isn't? And I think when you have a whole house that you're doing, maybe just focus on the one that isn't functioning well for you in that moment. Right. I think that's really important, too. All right. The one you dislike the most. That one. Yeah. Yes. 
The one that if somebody said, which room are you going to burn to the ground first? <laughs> yeah. That one. Maybe which room do you have not want to hang out do you in? you have the room? No, which mine, is, mine is the entire house. <laughs> anyway, we're going to take a break. I think we're going to have to just pause on this. We've got more stuff we want to cover, right? Come yep. back to this. Yeah, I think we're going to get the other two questions on the other side of the break. So everybody hang tight, get little snacks, go to the bathroom, whatever you've got to do, and then be back at the radio in maybe... What do you think? Two minutes? I think that's about right. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's right or not. We're going to give you two minutes, <laughs> and we'll be back with more good stuff. That's just ahead. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. Hopefully you got your snacks, you made your bathroom, pit stops, all the things that we commanded yeah, at we the end of the last required segment. required you to do. Yeah, we've got we've got expectations, you know. We try to provide good stuff, but we expect something from you, too. And hopefully all of that's taken care of. And now we're going to work through the rest of our questions. We're working through five questions that you should ask whenever you tackle a, a home makeover, you know, and or, or even just a room makeover. And we've already covered in the previous segment the first three. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to recap entirely, because that would be dumb. You can go back and instead find those online at repcolite.com. But just to summarize, so we're all back on the same page, the first question you need to ask is, how do I want the space to make me feel? The second question is, what purpose does the space need to serve? The third question, the one we just covered, is what's working for me in the space and what's not? What kind of things do I need to change? What things can I use? Now let's get to the fourth question, and it's this. What appeals to me? You know, What colors are you drawn to? And then I think the big question here is to ask, how do those colors fit with the atmosphere that I want to create? Yeah. You know, color psychology is a real thing. It's a touchy-feely topic. And but it's some, so true. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we tend to, at least guys, I know Haley would always talk about it. Betsy before Haley would talk about it. Working in the stores at Repcolite, we would talk about it in literature that would come through to us as training materials, color psychology. And it always felt a little foo-foo. Yeah, right. Like feng shui. Is this real? Yeah, but it really is. You know, it's not easy to create a relaxing, restful space, if that's your plan, if you love reds and oranges. You know, reds are energizing colors. Mm -hmm. Oranges are energizing colors. We had this with that room that my daughter wants to redo, this bedroom. And she wants, atmosphere-wise, she wants a resting, you know, a relaxing space. It's a bedroom. She wants to be able to chill there. What colors do you like? Bright yellow. Mm-hmm. Well, those things don't work well together. I mean, yeah. you can make it happen, but it's going to take some work. You need to pay attention to that. So you got to figure out what you're drawn to. And for Tessa's room, you know, to solve that, we went to a very muted yellow. Mm-hmm. And that helps us get those things all accomplished. It's Not still, as bright. Right. Still feels warm and inviting. You can do it. So if you love reds and oranges, there's ways to incorporate elements of that. Maybe with things not saturated on the entire walls. Maybe with pillows or... Right. Yeah, accessories. Yeah. But you need to figure out what appeals to you and how it connects to all the other components that we talked about. You know, what other elements are you drawn to? Do you love wallpaper? Is that something that needs to be a part of... I'm a total fan. Yeah. So that's a big <laughs> thing for Allie. Haley loves wallpaper. I have not used a lot yet. I intend to. You know, I I feel like that would go on my list of things I'm drawn to because there's so many great patterns out there. Furniture styles, certain art. You need to figure out what appeals to you. And this all sounds kind of easy. You know, I think I can just pin down what colors I like, what what, what furniture styles I'm drawn to. But I think it's tougher than we think initially because we're so influenced by trends and the newest thing Mm -hmm. and something that we see that's maybe not the newest thing out there, but it's new to us. Yeah. Completely drawn to it. I remember when 
you know, years back in the 90s, you know, I don't started working at Repcolite in mid 90s and we sold a lot of soft white colors, you know, off white colors. Yeah. All the time. Everybody all anybody wanted was china white, These soft white, white doves. Right. And it's all boring after a while, you know, because yeah. I'm making the paint. I want to see some color. And then all of a sudden, bright colors started to be a big thing. Lime yeah. green, I remember. I've talked about it on the show here. I was so pumped when I saw lime green. It was so fun to make, so fun to open the can and see all this color. And I was convinced this was going to dominate my home. Yeah. <laughs> Until about three weeks later, <laughs> when I looked and I realized, what was I, I don't thinking? Like this color. I couldn't live with this. This is insane. <laughs> I was drawn to a trend, and if I acted on that trend right away, I would have had to redo everything. So you need to figure out what really appeals to you. Mm-hmm. A really easy way to do this is to create something we've talked about on the show over and over again, a color folder. Mm-hmm. It can be a literal folder that you carry around, maybe something small that fits in a purse, maybe something that fits in your, what do dudes carry? A fanny pack? No. <laughs> man bag. A man bag. Whatever. <laughs> it could be a literal thing. It could be something online. I think know? a digitized version would be like a Pinterest or create your boards and you'll start to notice these specific design elements that you're um grabbing to or paying attention to more and, yeah. and to as, go off from As there. you see color chips and as you see <clears throat> wallpaper samples, snap pictures, whatever you've got to do, chuck them into this folder wherever it is, whether it's digital or real. And then as time goes by, the big thing that makes this work is that you weed it. You mm-hmm. go through it and you move the things out that don't appeal to you anymore. And there's there's going to be those things. And you keep the things that you really love. And as time goes by, if you do that regularly for several months, you're going to start to find. Yeah, hone this in is, on what it is. This yeah. is who I am. This is what I really like. And it's not necessarily going to give you this exact blue or this exact green or something like that. But you're going to know. I really Maybe lean towards yeah, these natural, you know, very earthy colors. Yeah. And then you can start from that. Right. So do all of that. That's the fourth question. Fifth question. Do I need help and where do I get it? You know, we're not all experts at everything. The answer is yes for me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> help? desperately yeah. need help. Well, you know, we think about doing brakes on a car. Not everybody feels comfortable just jumping in and doing brakes. We know that we might need an expert to do that. Or maybe rewiring our entire home. There's not very many of us that are just going to legally feel good about doing that. Feel good about that situation. (laughs) Interior design is a specialty and a skill as well. And I think there is a tendency because it's a little more accessible than rewiring my home. I think we tend to sometimes convince ourselves it's an easy thing. And maybe if I just look online long enough or whatever, I'll figure out what works. Mm -hmm. And you can probably do okay with that. But when you bring in an expert, you're going to find things that you never thought Mm -hmm. uh, were even possible. Right. So consider that. Where are you at on the scheme of things? Do you need help? There are interior designers that will cover almost any economic price range. And I know sometimes when you talk about getting an interior designer... My tendency is to think, well, that prices them out of my reach. Well, they'll even help for me. Right. And they'll even help you pick a paint color. Right. Something simple. It can be so simple. And there are people who will work in any price range. A lot of the designers, especially because since COVID, all those years back, Mm -hmm. have developed online, you know, consultations. Yeah, which is great. Discounted pricing. Check into that. You can get the help you need. Like Allie said, they can just recommend a paint color. 
They can go deeper. And they have different packages. All kinds of different things. If you're looking for an interior designer, you can also email us, radio at repcolite.com. And basically, just let me know roughly where you're located, what project you're tackling, what's the, what's the scope of it, what's it look like a little bit, and I can get you some names of designers near you. Or stop out at any Repcolite store, tell them all of that information, they'll get you some names. Mm-hmm. Or we've also got people on staff at every location who can help you with color for free. And so. there's also this website called The Expert. Um, I think it's an app, and there's a lot of designers that are on there. And you can, depending on your style and what you're looking for, you can source a designer that way, and it's all online. Yeah. So I'll put links in the show notes for all of that info. But before we wrap all of this up, I, I know I said I had five questions you can ask yourself. I've got bonus questions. Ooh, Ooh, even right. better. Technically, it's kind of eight, but let's imagine a couple different scenarios. You know, I guess I'm thinking about maybe there's somebody out there who's looking at changing all kinds of spaces and they're feeling overwhelmed with it. It's mm-hmm. not just one space that they're working on, a whole bunch of spaces. And that can be, you know, really overwhelming. Here's a quick question to ask yourself, which project is going to make the most difference? Mm -hmm. Maybe your budget's tight. You know, maybe that's the issue and you're looking at a bunch of spaces. Now I'd ask a very similar question. I'd ask which project is going to make the most difference at the lowest price? Now that is the question I ask all the time. Pretty much everything. (laughs) Yeah, when I look at different spaghetti, which option is going to make about the same difference at the lowest possible price? But ask yourself, and of course, then jump in and do that, that, that particular project. The one question, the extra bonus question that I really like the most is maybe to help people in this scenario. You've got a lot of different projects and you're stuck. Not stuck just because you're overwhelmed or it's budget. I'm just stuck. I maybe start a few of these and I never get anything finished. I can't mm-hmm. get any momentum. Here's the question. Which project can I start and finish the quickest? Find that project, start it, get it over with, and completely wrap it up. Because when you do that, finishing a project is going to give you the momentum that you need to get moving again. You know, being able to see success. A and sense of accomplishment. Cross yep. something off of your list feels really good, and that might give you that extra oomph. You'll be a little inspired to continue. to get moving to the other projects. All right, there's more we could say, but I think that at least gets us a start. Five questions you can start to ask before you jump into a project. Check out the show notes for more info. As we mentioned, Allie's going to be working through a lot of these questions in the upcoming weeks on our Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and all of those pages, and she's going to be showing the process of her mudroom from start to finish, Walking through why she's making changes, what she's going to do. Yep. It does function well. It functions well. Yeah. We're just going to make it better. Better. (laughs) Make it better. You can follow that process. Get online. Find those pages. Follow them. Like them. Do whatever you've got to do. You'll follow the process. All right. That's all the time we've got. We're going to have to wrap this one up. If you want to find it again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to the podcast. You'll never miss another episode. Or if you don't want to get... You know, that invested you don't, at this don't want point to make that yet, commitment. you can still check out all of the past episodes, all other, you know, 332 other brilliant episodes. <laughs> and after you've listened to two or three, you'll either be crazy or you'll be subscribed. So check that all out at RepcoLite.com. Whatever you do today makes your paints a part of it. The RepcoLite stores are open Monday through Saturday. Sunday, we have some family time. Watch some football. And then we're right back at it on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Dan Altina. I'm Allie Bragg. Thanks for listening.